Hey there, birth nerd. You're listening to the Birth Worker Podcast. My name is Kylie Banks, and I am totally obsessed with birth and equally obsessed with business. And this is the show where I help women turn their passion for birth into a sustainable, profitable, and most importantly, impactful career. All right, let's get into it. Hey, everyone. You're listening to episode 114 of the Birth Worker Podcast. Today, we are answering your biggest and bestest questions because it is Friday. Today, I have three totally random and different questions, which honestly makes this so much fun. Now, if you are tuning in for the very first time, I just want to let you know that we do two episodes per week. On Wednesdays, we either have guest speakers come and share their wisdom, or I do a solo episode where I dive deep into a specific topic. And then these Friday episodes, which you're listening to right now, are where I answer three questions, and I try to do it in 15 minutes or less. If you are brand new here or if you've been listening for a while and you have not left a rating and review for the show, make sure you do that. You'll find a link to do that in like below in the show notes. You'll also find a link to get a little gift. So if you leave a rating and review for the show, don't forget to take a screenshot. You can upload it to birthworker.com slash review. That will be in the show notes too. And when you do that and you enter your information, we actually package up a little surprise and we send it right to your mailbox. So if you have not done that already... Let this be the reminder to go do that. Uh, We just totally restocked all of our little goodies and uh, super excited to send them your way. All right. The first question we have today is from Tiffany and Tiffany asks, Kylie, how do you pay yourself as a self-employed person? Tiffany, what a great question. I do have to say first that this has changed, like depending on the amount of money I made. So this was very different when I made let's say less than $50,000 per year than what I am doing now. That is for sure. It's it's an interesting conversation to have because when you're a self-employed person, a lot of times when you're starting, like I would actually bet for 90% of you listening to this, you actually don't have separate business bank accounts. You are just, everything is going into your personal account. And so like all the money your business makes is going to you. And that's that. Like there's not really like rhyme or reason. Like you're not really saving money for taxes. You're not really like saving money to put back in your business. It's just kind of like all going to that one account. And that's definitely how I did it. (laughs) I uh, made my first $50,000 in a single year. That being said, that is absolutely not what I recommend. So if you jump inside of our programs, especially or specifically the Doulapreneur Method or Birth Worker Academy, you will start to understand the importance of actually setting up those business bank accounts and having a system for paying yourself early on. That way you don't get into issues. Let's just say that, Tiffany, you are making 40 grand per year just attending births in person, but you launch a course this year and you make an additional $60,000 from this birth course you create you're going to end up owing a lot of money in taxes at the end of the year. And I don't want you to be surprised. And I don't want you to not have the money to pay those taxes. It can feel really scary getting like a tax bill for ten dollars to $20,000 when you did not prepare for that. So what I do now, and I've talked about this so many times inside of our programs and probably on the podcast before too, but what I do now is I have almost what's like a holding bank account. So any money that comes to me either comes through Stripe or PayPal. Like 
That's how I take money. I do not take money via Cash App or Venmo, and you should not either. Um, I do not take um, cash or checks. Like I literally just Stripe and PayPal. Like, enter your credit card information or your debit card information, and that's how I take money. Now, all of it. The reason I do that is it just makes it so much easier on my end, and I have never had anyone have an issue as a, a client. You know, no one's ever tried to pay me in cash or anything like that. So that being said, anytime someone's paying me through Stripe or PayPal, it actually goes into this like holding account. And that holding account, I don't pay myself from it. I don't pay my credit cards from it. It literally is just going to that holding account until I can organize it. And then what I do is I've set up numbers with my like financial coach. She's also also my bookkeeper and CPA. And we've come up with percentages that work for me. And then I take the money in that holding account and I put it into different other different bank accounts uh, based on essentially my goals and how much money I make using these percentages. Now, I want to be clear that all of these bank accounts, you should not be paying for them. Like they should be free business bank accounts. Um, I have never seen business bank accounts that I've had to pay for. I've had business bank accounts with, I think, three different banks, and I've never had to pay for them. So if you're having to pay for your bank accounts for your business, <laughs> do something different. Find something else. Um, I've used, I, I've used um, Discover in the past, um, Bank of America Chase, and then now I use um, American Express business checking accounts. And the reason I do that is because it's what like hooks up and connects to QuickBooks. So it just makes it a lot easier. That's why I've been jumping around. So what happens is I all the money goes into this holding account and then I have an account for my personal money. It's called the owner's draw account. And then I have an account for taxes, for saving for taxes. I have an account for investing if I want to go, you know, put money into a 401k or something. And then I have another um, account called my business checking account. And so based on the percentages that I come up with with my CPA, I'm paying my I'm putting that money, like let's just say I make $10,000, it's in this holding account. I'll put, you know, 50% of that into my business checking to pay for my staff and pay for all my expenses. Let's just randomly say I'll put 10% of that into my investment account. 15% of that into my tax savings account, and then the rest of that goes to me to, to pay me. So that's how I pay myself as a self-employed person. Um, I'm so, so, so blessed and lucky that I found my CPA when I did. I first hired her just as a, a money coach to help me understand how to actually like make the most and make the most of my business and then also stay really organized so I don't get screwed over come tax time. Um, but that whole system has worked really well for me. One of my favorite parts of that system is that no matter what, any money coming to me, I'm putting 50% of it back into the business. So if someone buys something for me for $1,000, $500 of that immediately goes back to my business. The other 500 pays me, pays the taxes, and then also gets like put away in like retirement savings. And you might be thinking like, oh my gosh, Kylie, like I'm not, I don't want to put $500 or 50% back into the business. Like how am I going to make any money? But the truth is, is that you should be putting money back into your business to help your business grow. Um, for me, I, my biggest expense is staff. So I pay over $10,000 per month for my my staff. Um, I also pay between like one and $2,000 per month for software. I uh, go and hire coaches for myself. 
I go and hire new contractors to help me run ads or help train my team. I join masterminds, right? So all of that money that I'm putting back into my business, it, it would that would feel scary unless I already saved it somewhere. And actually what happens now is like when I go on, when I go on a, when I want to, <laughs> when I want to go hire someone new or invest $10,000 in a coach or, you know, go buy a course or something like that, I now actually just get to look at that business bank account and I need to, and I get to say, yeah, there's enough money in there. Let's do it. It's no longer like Kylie's paying for that. Kylie's not paying for my team. Kylie, in my mind, Kylie's not paying for my team. Kylie's not paying for masterminds. My business is paying for masterminds. My business is paying for the team. And that would be a really hard thing to it would be hard to think that way and hard to make that disconnection if it's all just coming from your personal bank account. So definitely recommend <laughs> setting something up similar to the way I do it. Uh, or really on top of that or first, finding yourself some sort of money coach, um, CPA, bookkeeper, um, someone who can, who can help you just plan and and do it correctly. All right. Next question is from Courtney. Courtney says, how long do you wait for an ebook to pick up traction before you call it a fail? Courtney, we've talked a lot about this lately in terms of like freebies. Like when would I, when would I consider a freebie a bust and like go make a new freebie? And to be honest, it's very similar when it comes to things like ebooks or courses or offers or packages, things like that. Very rarely, and actually I would even say like almost never, does it have to do with like the actual ebook or the actual package. And more often than not, it has to do with our messaging around it. So I would just say that Courtney is probably having a hard time conveying the value to the people who she's trying to sell her ebook to. That's what I would say. And if we could nail that messaging, which is one of the hardest things to do, by the way, um, one of the things I absolutely love uh, and I'm naturally gifted at, I will say, if we nail that messaging, the sale then becomes actually really easy. So as far as like how long do you actually wait for it to pick up traction before you call it a fail, I would work fast, meaning if I launch it and I get no sales, you better believe the next day I'm figuring out what I can tweak, tweak on this messaging. I'm maybe giving it to people for free and asking for feedback. I'm pulling my audience in Instagram stories. I'm jumping on calls with people and recording those calls and asking them, you know, what are your biggest fears? What are your biggest pain points? If your dream birth could be anything, what would that look like? And I'm going through those transcripts and like picking their words out and making sure that when I'm talking about my ebook, I'm conveying my audience's actual pain points and actual um, goals and desires and things like that. So uh, as far as how long would I wait before I call it a fail, I would never call it a fail, like ever at all. Uh, but you better believe I would work really quickly to better it, to make it better. The last question is from Tiff. And Tiff says, Kylie, how do you overcome imposter syndrome as a new doula? I listened to a podcast episode recently that talked a little bit about this, and I want to just like reiterate a couple of things that I learned from this person, who uh, Alex Hermosi, who was talking about this. And he said that if you feel like an imposter, it probably is because you're kind of being a little bit of an imposter. <laughs> um, and I was like, wow, I've never thought about it that way, but it makes so much sense. 
And his whole point was like, let's just say you're a new doula. His whole point was that, okay, you're a new doula and a, probably a piece of you wants to come in and like pretend that you like have all of this experience and all of this knowledge. And at the beginning, it's probably not true. And if you're trying to come off as someone who's like so confident and has all this experience and knowledge, you're going to feel like an imposter because you are an imposter in that situation. And so what Alex said is like, instead of like trying to be something you're not or trying to like prove that you have something that you don't have or try and instead of like trying to coach on something that you don't have experience in he was he had said just just do what you are already good at like do what you know and so a good example of that for me so i started my business before i had kids right so like i couldn't really talk about like actually giving birth from a, a personal experience and so one of the cool things is like i never felt like an imposter because i actually like tapped into that like i never tried to give advice as a mom, right? I never tried to give like new mom advice. Therefore, I didn't feel like an imposter. And so what I did is I focused on things that I knew that I loved and that I was good at, regardless if I never had kids yet. And for me, that was mindset. I had been through really hard situations in my life. Um, things like divorce and other like really emotionally stressful situations. And I used my experience through those to coach on mindset surrounding birth because mindset is mindset, right? Overcoming uh, emotions is overcoming emotions. Like doesn't matter what we're talking about here. So I found something that I was not an imposter in and I made that my niche. And you better believe slowly over time, I attended more and more and more and more and more births and then started to find myself being really comfortable talking about how to be a doula and how to, you know, have amazing birth experiences. And then, of course, I had my own daughter and I had her at home. So now all of a sudden, I don't feel like an imposter. I feel like I can help other people have amazing home births. So if you're listening to this and sometimes maybe you feel like an imposter when you're with your clients or coaching on social media or anything like that, I just urge you to think of and how can we actually like pivot what you're doing to help you focus on the things that you actually are already good at rather than trying to overcompensate because you think that that's what moms want or because you think that that's what makes a good doula. When in reality, everyone brings their own life experiences to the table, right? You could have never been to a birth before because you're a brand new doula. And also you could have never had, had kids before. But to be honest, you could be a phenomenal doula because of your own life's experience. And that's why I actually don't think that like the number of births doulas attend matters at all. And that's actually why I think that like someone who's a brand new doula has the potential to be a, an even better doula than someone who's gone to 50, 100, 200, 300 births. It's based on that life experience. So what life experiences do you have that you can tap into? And with that, help ease a little bit of that imposter syndrome because you're not an imposter. You've been through the life experiences you've been through. And I would be willing to say that like your experience was so personal that no one else has been through it. So not only are you an imposter, but in theory, like you're the only one that can like teach on this one thing um, in, in the way that you teach about it. So for me, that looked like mindset and autonomy. For other people, sometimes that looks like uh, overcoming trauma. Or for other people, maybe that looks like having a VBAC or overcoming 
pregnancy loss or or ectopic pregnancy or whatever it is. Stop trying to build a business based on what you think people want and start trying to really just tune into what makes you special. And I think when you do that, the imposter syndrome starts to uh, uh, go away just a little bit. So thank you, Alex Hermosi, uh, for that little tidbit on his podcast a few weeks ago. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, if you have a question and you want to get your question answered here on the podcast, don't forget to submit that question www.birthrigger.com slash ask. And if you are like, Kylie, I love the podcast. You know, I love hearing other people's questions answered, but Kylie, I want you to answer my question every single week. And I want to be able to come to you and get feedback and, and be part of an amazing community. That is when it is time to join one of our programs. So you could join our birth worker community membership. It's a coaching membership. You can join that on your, on its own for $75 per month and come to the coaching calls, get coached by me and your other coaches, hang out with the community. But if you're really ready to dive in and just give it your all, check out one of our programs. So we have birth worker Academy is our doula training program. We also have a childbirth educator training and a business program. And if you join any of those, you actually get one year of coaching completely for free. So that's the route that I hope you take because not only do you get lifetime access to a portal filled with step-by-step videos, tutorials, spreadsheets, workflows, strategies, all of that, but you also get one year of coaching. If you're interested, you can always just go to birthworker.com or you know what? Send me a DM on Instagram. I'm on Instagram at birthworkerpodcast, and I am over there every single day uh, having conversations in the DMs with people just like you, and I would love to chat with you too. All right, everyone. I will see you in my DMs inside of our programs or right back here on the podcast. I hope you have a wonderful weekend, and I will see you soon. 